We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is Travis May, and I'm joined by Curtis Patrick once again. And by this point, uh, most of your brackets for March Madness are probably busted. So just to help you through the pain a little bit today, we're going to jump into our latest rookie guide. Yes, that's volume two of the rookie guide and talk so, you know, about some highlights from that, some top rookies that you should end up, you know, having on all of your fantasy football rosters. But Curtis, I, I'm just excited about this rookie, rookie guide. It's been a long time coming. I mean, our last version was late December, and now we've had all this time to just digest all this new. Right now at T-Mobile, get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. And most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content all year long. But don't wait. It's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us. Congested customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well qualified customers plus tax. Qualifying trade in, port in, service, and finance agreement required. Contact us before canceling or credit stop and remaining balance due. 64 gigs, zero down plus 3125 per month for 24 months. Pre credit price $749.99, 0% APR. One offer per account. Information. Uh, so much fun putting all the rankings together. 
Uh, and I just thank you for all the, the work that you did with my uh, the, the charts and everything with Sean. I'm sure that was kind of a headache, but uh, <laughs> you doing all right, man? Oh, yeah, man. I, I really can't um, say enough about how excited I am as well. Uh, before we even talk anything about the guide or the process that went into it, just really want to thank our sponsors for the Rookie Guide, the FFPC and uh, Reality Sports Online. Two great platforms to play fantasy football so make sure you check those out but big kudos to sean morris he's our graphic designer for the guide and just always such a pleasure uh, working through the process of building the guide and kind of playing tetris with all the puzzle pieces of the different articles and <laughs> making sure that no this this is the type of matte finish that i want on thing and, you know he just he puts up with a lot um and and really delivers so really proud of our our content team too at dynasty command center People continue just to push it forward with the quality of the analysis. And w when I look at what we're putting out this year versus what we put out last year, uh, just, a, just a sense of pride. Um, I think it looks great. Um, really proud proud of the piece that you put together with the wide receiver charting. And, and you've been talking about that a little bit on the podcast rounds this week. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, about some players you haven't had a chance to hit today, uh, which is going to be great. Uh, but before we do some of that, I kind of want to just kick the ball back to you a little bit um, regarding the 2019 class overview piece. So um, that's something that you wrote back in December, and, and it was kind of a cloud-level piece on how did you feel about 2019 class versus 2018 and 2020? You know, what might that mean for the value of picks this year and how you felt about certain position groups? So has anything changed for you there? You know, I, I'm not – not on a huge level, I don't think. I think uh, the the exact players of who I was really excited about and who I wasn't really excited about that's kind of been cleared up a little bit since then. But overall, I think it was it was for a long time coming. We kind of knew that this running back class wasn't going to have a Saquon Barkley in it. Uh, but uh, there are actually, I think, uh, maybe four guys that I'm, I'm more interested in than I perhaps thought I would be back in December. Uh, and I think that showed up in our rankings uh, for this rookie guide. And, and so really looking at really four guys that I'm probably going to try to target somewhere, somehow, three or four at least. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm more excited about the running backs than I thought, but I still don't think maybe any of them go inside the first round. Uh, maybe one kind of sneaks in there, but that that really be pushing it. Beyond that, I think the tight, the tight ends I was, I was uh, pretty high on. Uh, and that that really was sticky. I was glad to see at least four or five, maybe six options that could sneak inside of day two. So, yeah, a lot to be excited about with this running this running back class more so than I thought. And especially the wide receivers are just super deep. So obviously, yeah, I think the one position you didn't hit here that changed a ton since oh, yeah. volume <laughs> one quarterback. was quarterback, <laughs> man. Because when we wrote when we wrote volume one, it was before uh, NFL draft declaration deadline. And we didn't know that That's Kyler true. Murray was going to be in this class. And that has made uh, Superflex conversation more interesting. And, of course, he's such a divisive prospect anyway. There's been mm -hmm. so much written and, and spoken about with his size. Um, and then, you know, what he can do running the ball, you know, from a scrambling perspective and not necessarily from a designed run perspective, which is that's kind of what we like a little bit better for fantasy anyway and, and for preserving uh, a quarterback's health. So that's been really exciting to, to watch how that's changed. And I'm starting to sense just over the last week or two that annual quarterback creep that happens amongst the uh, the NFL draft Knicks. And I mean, I'm seeing like five names 
rumored oh, yeah. uh, to go in, in the first round of the NFL draft. Now we're hearing more and more buzz about Will Greer after he had a successful pro day and Daniel Jones being mocked in the mid first. And it's, it's, it's wild. You know, we are, we already thought that Drew Locke and um, Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins, I mean, his pro day, I don't know if I read more about how sweaty his armpits were or how beautiful his deep ball is, uh, but there was a lot of analysis on both of them. So um, I think that's that's probably something that's changed because even though um, I don't think any of us are in love with this quarterback class, if we end up with four or five quarterbacks in the first round, it's going to impact Superflex rankings moving forward for sure. And and we'll get into that a little bit more uh, deeper in the episode. But real quick before we, we uh, toss it to our sponsor here, are you are you satisfied with with Kyler Murray and, and the five ten? Is he in a void or are you okay with that? No, I think I'm I'm okay with that. I think he, if he was below five ten, that would be whether it should mean something or not. It would mean a lot more to a lot of people. Uh, and as far as real draft stock, I think a lot more people would be worried with him. But when you look at his game and his passing season that he had, mixed with the one thousand rushing yards on top of that, it's kind of kind of ridiculous to say that you'd avoid a player of that caliber. And so I, I wouldn't say I'd avoid him. And really, in, in Superflex leagues, I think a lot of people are going to put him in the 1.01 slot just because of the potential upside that he has for fantasy football with his, with his upside with his legs and really potentially being the best passer in the class. So lots to like there. Yeah, the, the important thing about 5'10 that I remember from high school is if you wear Timberlands, you can get up to six foot if you're five ten. So um, yeah, and and that that's going to help you off the football field probably more than on the football field. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, the talents there, and 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 you know, this is maybe a little teaser for our super flex rankings later in the episode. But he's in our top tier. Uh, but is he our one hundred and one uh, at the, at this juncture? So you'll have to listen on and find out in a moment. Uh, but before we continue. I want to mention our friends at the FFPC. They're the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner, and they have brand new startup Dynasty Leagues forming right now at $77 and at $250. Uh, You can play standard, Superflex, and Dynasty Best Ball. They also have a limited number of orphan teams uh, remaining, and they discount those significantly. If you're ready to draft in some Best Ball Leagues, and now I'm talking redraft Best Ball, FFPC also has you covered there. Drafts filling daily starting at just $35. Go to myffpc.com. That's M-Y-F-F-P-C.com. The home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. And all new subscribers to our Dynasty Command Center Slack. That's where all the business gets done. Get a league credit of $30. And you can apply that to any Dynasty League at $77 or higher. Travis, what are we getting into? Well, I think we want to talk about, I mentioned before, the running backs and maybe the top four, uh, at least among our rankers, I believe that there's uh, kind of a top four, whereas we really didn't know. Maybe we, maybe there was a top two. I think pre-combine, a lot of people were already on Josh Jacobs. It was, the hype there was just out of control. Uh, David Montgomery, a lot of people liked his elusiveness and uh, we, we wanted to see him have a better combine, obviously, than he did. But, you know, there's a couple names that, that joined them. And for me, I mean, I already talked about this some this week, but Miles Sanders jumped way up uh, just to con- kind of really confirm what I already thought he could do. It was nice to see him do it, put it together and, and get in their RB1 conversation. And you're really high on 
Daryl Henderson. I think we both are, but I think he might be like your your bay in this in this class. I, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure you like Daryl Henderson. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, we're talking about a guy that if you turn around and handed Daryl Henderson the ball in college, there's a pretty good chance he's gonna get about nine yards for you um, over the course of his <laughs> career. That is yeah. sick. That is stupid. People are. How are we not talking about this more? I feel like there's a couple people that get it. And in mass, people are just, well, he played at Memphis, you know, level of competition. Historically great college football player when it comes to efficiency per touch. Insane. And then all he did is go out and, and prove that he had requisite uh, athletic ability at the position, which we haven't seen from many other players in the class. So, yeah. You're right. I'm high on Daryl Henderson, and ha- that hasn't changed after the combine. <laughs> so l- I, I want to review for the for the listeners, if you haven't picked up a copy of our rookie guide, um, our five rankers, um, what we did is we had like a uh, – well, first off, we had an independent ranking process. So we ranked about 80 deep in this class, and everyone did it individually. A lot of sites, you know, you do rankings, and you copy over the average of your peers, and then you just move people up and down. This was independent. So we each went into the lab with our earmuffs on and we turned our phones off and we came up with our list of names. And then we had a ranking summit. And this took about three hours of, of debating um, once we saw kind of where uh, some tiers started to present themselves. And we ended up, and this was, this was um, immediately after the combine, but before some pro days had started um, to occur, we had a it's our tier three in our top 50, and it would be tier one if you're looking at running back. It's four deep at that position, and it's Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Daryl Henderson, and Miles Sanders. So each of us kind of got our guy in there, and it felt a little it, it felt a little bit kind of intriguing that we squashed Jacobs into that tier with those other guys. you know. But now I think that his pro days come out, and oh, yeah. the, the, the athleticism is – I mean, I, I you're kind of squinting a little bit because it doesn't seem to match, you know, the people that love him for his film, uh, you know, and maybe he's a guy that builds up speed um, and, and he just doesn't have the initial burst um, out of his stance. But his athleticism at his pro day, when it should be home field advantage and all those types of things, uh, he did not separate and certainly didn't live up to, you know, those top 15 round one mock projections that we've seen based off just based off of the athleticism there so uh feels it feels great to me that we had him in a tier with those other guys so um i'm just going to give you like two minutes on miles sanders we haven't we haven't um rapped about him very much on this pod yet but what's a little bit of the context maybe for why he didn't have just remind our listeners why he didn't have the early career production and, and what he actually did this year. I know you're, you're cutting into the running backs for volume three already a little bit deeper. So what do you have on Miles Sanders? Yeah, and I talked about this just a tad on uh, the Dynasty Blueprint this week as well with Ryan and, and Matt Williamson. But I think uh, Miles Sanders obviously was behind Saquon Barkley uh, when he uh, you know was in his freshman and sophomore seasons at Penn State, which that's unfortunate because he could have been amazing. He could have put you know, two more 1,000, 1,100, 1,200 yard seasons together, I think easily. I mean, coming out of high school, he was the guy, the running back that every school wanted, and he chose Penn State. And I mean, he was the number one running back in the country. 
uh, for good reason. He tested well athletically, even coming out of high school. So it was no surprise to see him really check boxes at the combine to really kind of just confirm what we already thought was possible. And Penn State has done a really great job of uh, really bringing out athletic players that uh, test well uh, when it matters. But I think uh, I've really gotten into charting not just wide receivers, which is what I talked about in this guide, but uh, charting running backs and really taking a good look at where they succeed, uh, how they do it, uh, and really looking at um, Miles Sanders. He didn't have the, the thickest boxes. like He didn't have a bunch of eight-man boxes that he faced at, uh, at uh, Penn State, but he did have a lot of situations where he had an extra defender uh, that he had to face and that he had to force uh, a missed tackle on more so than just about – well, besides like David Montgomery, more than almost any other player uh, in this class at the top. And he was really successful in doing that. And uh, the, the personnel packages where he succeeded, the looks where he succeeded, uh, I, I love to see that. Uh, in 11 and 12 personnel, uh, he did really, really well across the board in terms of his yards after contact. I love to see that. I mean, he was top, I, I believe, pro football focus confirmed uh, what I saw, he was a top back in that regard, top 10 in this class in yards after contact. And, and really uh, what he did to uh, create, and he didn't have as much room maybe before he was contacted when compared to a lot of guys like Josh Jacobs. And so um, he didn't have to, he didn't have the same wiggle room that uh, maybe somebody running Alabama's line, behind Alabama's line would have. So I think when you look at, uh, everything with Miles Sanders, he just checks every single box that you want to see. He may not be, uh, you know, first round talent by most people's re- regard. I, I don't, I don't know if he's, you know, a Saquon Barkley, but he, I have less questions about him than I think any other running back in this class for me. Yeah, I, I think with with Miles Sanders, when you start to look at what people did athletically, um, and the fact that I, I mean, I think both of us are pretty unsure. Uh, or uncertain that there'll be a round one running back selected. There's no reason Sanders couldn't end up being, in the long haul, um, the best fantasy back out of this group. Uh, if we, you know, we fast forward to like 2021 and look back at what happened, and, and we could be asking ourselves, how did we not see that this was the guy that was the bell cow for fantasy purposes out of the class? Um, that's that's become abundantly clear to me. You were higher on Sanders before we even had some of this combine stuff. Should have known that he's drinking that. Uh, Nittany water and he was going to test the way he did but you know he, he's basically across a, in like everything he did except bench press he's like a 75th to 80th percentile athlete like across the board yeah. which is super so when you look at the floor of what he turned in across these different measurables that's super super impressive you know oftentimes guys have like all right well um, you know he's he's got a good um, speed score and his, you know because his 40 was it was nice and he's a little heavier uh, but the burst isn't there the agility's not there or or vice versa you got a guy that you know he's shifty and quick but he doesn't actually have the speed he runs like a four or six nine um, there's some guys in this class that, that that did that but he's just even across the board and 211 pounds cer- certainly big enough to do it let's touch on Henderson too because just as high as you were on Sanders pre-combine I was kind of that same category on Henderson. And first off, there were questions about his size. And he is only 5'8", but he weighs in at 208 pounds. I mean, that's plenty heavy in today's NFL. His BMI is 31.6. I mean, his BMI is more than two points higher even than Sanders at 211 pounds because of the difference in the height. 
So, you know, I, I like to just put out some some food for thought type tweets. And, and and after I had a chance to really think about, all right, now that we have all Henderson's measurables out there, here's what I'm going to say about him. You t- tell me what you think about this. Daryl Henderson is what you get when dot, dot, dot. You turn the dial up a notch and a half on Devontae Freeman and add in a dash of Chris Johnson at 80% concentrate. What do you think about that? <laughs> that's incredibly specific. Oh, oh yeah, oh, man. Gosh, that's, oh, yeah. That's, well, that's, cause, I like cause it. He, yeah, like he's, it. he's built like Devontae. And, you know, I, I, Devontae is probably a little bit shiftier in space, maybe a little bit more of a patient runner than Henderson. But what I, what I love about Darrell Hunt, man, I'm just pounding the table now. What I love about this guy is he puts it in the end zone every time he breaks away. He doesn't like, – Oh, yeah. Go, like, go oh, watch his gone. film. It's he over. doesn't have 15-yard runs. He yeah. has like six-yard runs and nine-yard runs and 70-yard runs. If he gets to the edge, he was taken at home. That, that's what reminds me of, of Chris Johnson and how exciting he was. And so he's got that electric uh, factor to him and, and really excited about that. Let's talk about yeah. – the guys that are just outside that tier of four backs. So we had Jacobs, Montgomery, Henderson, and Sanders. At this point, put them in a blender, stir them up, whatever the order is. Probably going to get sorted out on draft uh, draft week for us. But the two that are just behind them are Damian Harris and Justice Hill. And these are two guys that aren't being talked about as much. I mean, Justice Hill got a little bit of much-deserved love after he had a very underappreciated combine. And we're going to talk about his measurables in a minute, but Damian Harris, he's kind of just like, he, he's like the, the slow, but steady wins a race guy of this class. I mean, it, it, like for those of you that play Debbie, I mean, Damian Harris has been a name for years. I mean, wh- what's the context on Damian Harris? And um, could you see him getting up into that next tier for you um, by the, ne- by the next issue coming out, Travis? I think uh, he's been up in that tier for a lot of Debbie people for a long time. And it wasn't until maybe, you know, the college football playoff around that time where I think for a lot of people, Josh Jacobs actually kind of hurdled Damian Harris in their rankings. I think a lot of people thought Damian Harris was the guy because, one, he had actually had more production. I mean, he uh, coming into this past season, he had already had two 1,000-yard seasons for Alabama, whereas Josh Jacobs still – doesn't have a 1,000-yard season. He doesn't have a 700-yard season for Alabama. And so I think a lot of people looked at the, the production that Damian Harris had and, and more success, frankly, than Josh Jacobs had. And uh, they thought, okay, Damian Harris was the guy. Upon further consideration, a lot of people that grind film really liked uh, what Josh Jacobs brought just kind of in isolation. Uh, you know, a few examples of fantastic plays from Josh Jacobs that just maybe looked a little bit more flashy than a Damian Harris. But I think what Damian Harris gives you is, is more down-to-down consistency. He has a larger sample of carries to work with. Uh, and I think when you look at his his game and where he comes in for Alabama versus where Josh Jacobs came in for Alabama, and I've charted both of them sig- significantly, and Josh Jacobs faced easier boxes. It, you can It's measured. He faced easier boxes than Damian Harris. He was given more running room before contact than Damian Harris. I mean, I, there's just it's clear to understand why a lot of people maybe when just kind of casually watching a full game of Alabama think, oh, man, that Josh Jacobs guy, he looks more explosive because he had more running room. Like he just frankly had more an, an easier look consistently than Damian Harris because 
A lot of times teams just kind of thought, okay, Damian Harris is in the game. They're wanting to kind of grind out more yards here uh, than they are with Josh Jacobs. They're going to maybe shift him out and be a little bit, you know, try to get him in space. And so it was, it was just kind of like Alabama wasn't tipping their hand per se, but defenses played like they were. So it's just interesting when you try to watch them both in the same game. It's really easy to like Josh Jacobs more, but I don't think that's necessarily the easy right place. I think given that Damian Harris doesn't have any major downfalls in his athletic profile, I think if he gets some decent draft capital, he should be inserted into that top tier for sure. Man, a lot of good points there. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, the NFL evaluators might like him as much or more because of, of what they're able to see uh, when, when they do that research. There's less project. I think the thing with Harris is there's so much less projection involved than with Jacobs because we, we've just seen more. He's done it over more of an extended period of time. I want to talk about Justice Hill for a minute because he had a combine that we should be, I mean, we should be singing about this hmm. thing. Four, <laughs> yes, four, yeah. Four, four, even in the 40 for a running back. That is stupid fast. We don't see that number. People don't hit that number. It's 97th percentile, okay? Burst score. Yeah, <laughs> 95th percentile. He weighs 198 pounds and still he still put up 21 reps on the bench. This is a strong dude. And what I like about Justice Hill, he's he's one of the younger backs coming in. And at Rotoviz, we like running backs who play their rookie season at age 21. Okay. Justice Hill is going to be one of those guys. And I, I think, um, is, is he a three down, a traditional three down guy? Maybe not, but it, he, he weighed in the same as Christian McCaffrey did 198 pounds, right? I mean, is that stopped McCaffrey from racking up the touches and being a, a high end fantasy PPR freak? No, I think Justice Hill has, at least requisite, maybe above requisite quality uh, receiving ability. He wasn't asked to do that often at Oklahoma State, but I don't think he's somebody that, you know, he's not Jordan Howard that, you know, you close your eyes every time you, you toss the ball to him out of the backfield and hope that it doesn't clunk off his chest plate. That's not Justice Hill. So, no, I, I mean, not. Justice Hill, uh, Travis, you have some data on this, and I, I, don't, I don't know if you have it pulled up, but we, we talked about his combine the weekend that it was happening. And and I think you said something like uh, somebody that has the numbers that he has, if you look at the yeah, last 20 I, I years, yeah, it, what, what nobody's ever fallen past the second round or something with this kind of combine? It was something like that. What what was the statement you made? Yeah, it was, basically I was just looking at, uh, you know, well, what, what does the combine mean historically? And somebody, if, if you test in – the 80th percentile or above, and in, in at least on, on average, uh, in more than one combine drill, you essentially have an almost 90% chance of being selected inside of day two, which is pretty stinking good. Like, I mean, if you look at the past 20 years uh, of players that have tested out anywhere near Justice Hill, it's basically a lock for day two draft capital. And so I think we're going to see him probably, maybe, you know, maybe it's round three, maybe it's you know, near the end of round three, but I think he's going to be taken. Some team's going to give him a chance because what he was able to to do, especially when he was healthy, his sophomore season and rack up sixteen hundred yards from scrimmage. He caught the ball thirty times. Yeah. I mean, we say he didn't. You, you know, he wasn't used in that way a ton, but thirty pa- passes caught uh, in in the college game in just thirteen games uh, is definitely solid for a running back. So I think he can be plugged in 
and play. Maybe not every single down, like you said, but I think he's got uh, potential upside that, that a lot of people are missing just because they see 198 pounds and they, they say, well, that doesn't have a, a solid historical hit rate, so I'm just going to completely shelf that guy. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the league's changed, and I think, you know, it, it, there's, and it makes you almost sad when you look back at the last, you know, 15 years or so and, and the types of players that maybe would have gotten a different type of chance uh, at that size uh, yeah. than, than what we see today. But I think people are missing it with Justice Hill. I really do. There, there's reason to maybe not be excited about, like, the the class as a whole. You know, as you said, you know, there isn't – there's there's not a Zeke. There's not a Saquon Barkley. But I think there's some guys that – like, a scheme fit that could just smash for fantasy purposes. And I think Justice Hill is one of those guys. And I think there's going to be at least a couple teams that have him higher on their boards than we really realize – and, and we're probably going to – he's one of these guys that I think we're going to raise the eyebrows and go, whoa, uh, that was earlier than we thought uh, on, on draft week. <laughs> so um, I, I'm kind of likening Hill's, Hill's combine, uh, just rewind the clock a couple years. Jarek McKinnon was a guy that nobody really knew anything about. Was a convert, and, I mean, he was a converted quarterback, for God's sake. And, and he went in the third round after having a combine very similar – to what Justice Hill did, except, you know, he, he benched like 80 reps was basically the only difference between their combine at this point. Justice Hill has power five pedigree, okay? I mean, there's tape on him that matters. He actually is a running back. That matters. So um, we'll have to see what happens there. Let's talk a little bit about wide receivers and your charting. And, and you've gotten into some of the really big names uh, earlier this week on Twitter and on pods. Let's talk about two guys that, that had awesome combines and the speediest guys at the position in the class, Paris Campbell and Andy Isabella. Two very different college pedigrees. Paris Campbell, the Ohio State University, comes in, crushes the combine, 4-3-1. Andy Isabella playing at tiny little UMass, but he was like David versus Goliath anytime he played against the Power Five. Also puts up a 4-3-1. What did your wide receiver charting exercise tell you about those two guys? Well, Paris Campbell it was really interesting because when you think about a guy who runs a 4-3-1, you'd think the offense that he would be in would use him as a deep threat, right? You would think that he would have tons of deep game targets. And I've seen some people talk about that this week that he really didn't. And, and that's what I found in his, in his charting. He basically just didn't catch the ball on go or fade routes almost ever in the Power 5 games at least for sure. Really just never even ran go routes. He was just running a bunch of screens. He was running a bunch of curls, ins, outs, you know, quick hitting routes. And, you know, they would just rely on his ridiculous speed to kind of add some yak uh, from there. I mean, they, I, I don't know how many times even they did those little tap passes. Like, you know, they, they hike it back to Haskins and he just kind of taps the ball into, into Paris Campbell's hands. And it counts as a reception, but it's it's like, you know, it's got negative three air yards behind it. So his, uh, I think his average depth of target was just – ridiculously low but that's that doesn't mean that he's limited in that way and can't get deep when you look at his athletic profile and the way that he was able to make people just miss and burn beyond people on whether it was wheel routes uh he ran a lot of what i i call other <laughs> and the guy just sent some stuff with it that's uh it's like what what do you even call what he just did like i don't i don't know but he's just creative in the way that he separates uh, I think that showed up across the board. His ADOT was only like 4.2 yards or something like that. I just looked at this the other day. Yeah. He basically had the ADOT of like a running back. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of crazy watching him. But he did have balance like to his game. Uh, a lot of people have 
an, an extreme route that they run more than any, like at least 20%, 25%. That wasn't Campbell. Like he, he had, I guess, screens accounted for 20%, but uh, really his, his routes, nothing accounted for more than 15 outside of screens. So he, he really was versatile on the short stuff. And if he can just be asked by anyone, hey, go run past the defensive back that's clearly slower than you are, I think he'll have success in that regard as well and have more balance to his game in the pros. But uh, I know you're you're a Paris Campbell guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and it was clear he was going to test this way at the Combine. If you follow the Buckeyes, then then you've known what he's been doing in drills the last couple of years, and, and he was going to come out and crush. I mean, that was known by anyone who, who's stayed aware of him. But what I like about Campbell and what I think he adds beyond the athleticism that is going to help fortify his draft position, and this is a smaller part of the NFL game now, but I, I always love the guys who are going to be day two picks that can add something else, that they have layers to their game. Okay, he had tw- – now, you know, you mentioned that he's got a bunch of receptions that maybe should have been counted as rushing attempts, but he actually had 23, <laughs> 23 yeah. actual rushing attempts in his career for 210 yards and yeah. two touchdowns. This guy averaged over nine yards a carry. What do we see with the the advent of the jet sweep coming back in the NFL now, and, and how Tyreek Hill is used? And I mean, a, every team has a package for this this jet yeah. uh, movement now. And and Paris Campbell is a perfect fit for that type of stuff. He also uh, he didn't do it as a senior um, because a they had some other guys that could do it, and and b I think he just was more of a crucial part of the offense, so, that, um, so they didn't want to risk it. But in in his sophomore junior year, he was a kick returner. He was a good kick return. He had 30 kick returns, average over 30 yards uh, per kick return for his career in college football. So that that's good stuff. And, I mean, and he scored 12 touchdowns last year. 12 touchdowns, that's a lot of receiving touchdowns, okay, at any school, let alone yeah. a Power 5 school like Ohio State where you got so many other attractive options. I mean, we're talking a lot about Terry McLaurin um, as a guy that's flying up some boards too. I mean, he had some other guys with talent in his position group, and then he was able to do these things. So um, love Campbell. I just don't see how he makes it out of the second round for sure. Um, so that's going to be fun. What about Andy Isabella? I don't think a lot of people have probably watched yeah. Andy Isabella film, uh, but you have. And with everybody uh, in this class, I watched uh, at least the top 14 guys, and, and really even more now since it's, since this guy actually got actually dropped, but took basically eight games of every wide receiver, watched every single snap, uh, every reception uh, that they made and really try to have some solid takeaways on all these players. But any Isabella due to his size gets pigeonholes as this slot guy. But really when you look at his college game, that's not what he was the majority of the time. He, he played outside wide receiver a significant percentage of the time. In fact, right, right wide receiver was his most common alignment. Uh, almost 40% of the time he was actually right wide receiver. He was slot uh, about 35, 36% of his game, which, I mean, that's not very high. Like, if you look at anyone that is now a slot receiver in the NFL, that's not necessarily what you saw their college game be for the most part. And it was mainly because he was just their best wide receiver by far, so they needed him to win on the outside. Uh, and that showed up in a big way, though. He, he won on the deep routes because of his 4-3-1 speed. But uh, they asked him to, you know, win on screens and short stuff, too, and he, and he was able to – separate even against the power five uh, he was at, he was able to separate and and really just make a, a huge impact obviously about a quarter of his game were screens because they wanted him they wanted to use that speed they wanted to get the ball out to him quick 
and separate. But there was balance, again, across all his routes beyond just screen. He ran literally everything that you could possibly want a wide receiver to run. One of the more balanced distributions of, of routes run. I mean, nothing over 12% of his receptions uh, from any one route outside of just screens. So he really does everything. I mean, corner routes, post routes, uh, you want somebody that has that deep game developed, uh, but being able to separate on that underneath stuff is incredibly important as well from all sorts of alignments. So as, as far as that smaller arc archetype of a wide receiver that may project to be more of a slot receiver in, in the pros, he was the most impressive uh, in this class, and I think he should be rising up everyone's draft board after he confirmed what we already knew with his athleticism at the combine. Yeah, wow, great, great cut up on Isabella, and I think kind of, kind of what I had said about Sanders, where if you fast forward a couple years and you look back, and 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 we you know would be surprised that we didn't have him as our our running back one in the class. I truly think it is range of possible outcomes. I'm not saying it's the likely outcome. But I think it's range of possible outcomes. A player like Andy Isabella could end up being the best fantasy player from this position group. He's he's so much more than what people are realizing. And again, guys, the, this is like the 5% the likelihood here, okay? I'm not saying we're not titling this episode Andy Isabella is the wide receiver one in 2019. That's not happening right now. No. Okay? So let me be clear. But what I'm saying is his skill set is diverse enough and he is a nuanced enough uh, receiver that in the right scenario, I really do think he could be the fantasy gem amongst all the wide receivers in this class. And let's talk a little bit about what he did against power five competition, because he only played, I mean, a handful of games against the sec in his career. And he, and he almost like outproduced Riley Ridley. You <laughs> played like you played like 30 games against the <laughs> Just, sec. I mean, this is, this is stupid here. Okay. For against the sec. Okay. He plays for UMass. All right. I wouldn't imagine, and this wasn't the bottom of the SEC he was playing either, okay? He's playing Florida, Georgia, LSU. I mean, he's playing the teams, the SEC teams, and it's UMass. You watch their film, he's like the only guy that pops. You know he's coming. His career line against the SEC, against those powerhouses, 39 receptions, 587 yards, three touchdowns. Against Georgia alone, 15 219 2 395 versus Florida. I mean, against LSU, 542 1. He he proved it against the Power Five, even with all odds stacked against him in his college situation. That is what you look for. And, and a guy, okay, in, in a small school or a non Power Five pro, uh, prospect, basically what you're looking for is did he actually dominate the inferior competition? Uh, check. And permanent marker as you know, on the whole page, uh, he dominated. What did he do when he had a chance to play against the Power Five? Well, he came out and balled out. We saw this a couple years ago with Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup did a great job against the Power Five, and guess what? He walked right in the NFL and looked right at home. And Andy Isabella is 10 times the athlete that Cooper Cup is, and he's not 30 years old as a rookie, okay? So, <laughs> the, the, you know, if, if you've been doubting anything about Andy Isabella, we're just going to ask you to look at him a little bit more. And, uh, you know, our, our team is really coming around on him. And, and I think he could rise even more as we still have a little bit of time left in this process. But he's firmly in the mid-second round for us now in, in our rankings. He's in, in our composite rankings. He's, he's 19th. 
He's at the top of Tier 5 with Emmanuel Hall, another guy who had a, a great combine. I'm going to give you a couple seconds to talk about Emmanuel Hall, and I think we're going to have to kick yeah. our super flex and tight end premium to another episode because we just got two pumps about yeah. <laughs> uh, all, all these guys. But I'm telling you, man, Paris Campbell – and take this away. Paris Campbell and Andy Isabella, these are difference makers at the NFL level, 100%. Now, whether or not that's going to translate to fantasy, probably a little landing spot dependent, but th- these are not just speedsters who are going to go quietly into the night and be somebody's wide receiver for uh, – these these guys are not Travis Benjamin, okay? That's not who they are. Uh, the, the ceiling is much, much, much higher. Okay, Emmanuel Hall. I agree with everything you just said there, by the way. And another guy that could get kind of pigeonholed as just a deep threat guy is Emmanuel Hall. I mean, when you look at his last two seasons, his yard per reception were 24 his junior year and 22 his his final year at Missouri. And one thing that will stand out with Hall is he did struggle to kind of stay healthy at times. And so we didn't really get a complete look at him ever. I mean, he never played more than 10 games in a season, and he only had – uh, you know, two years where he had, I guess he had eight games played in both of his final seasons for Missouri. Missouri. So I would have liked to see him stay a little bit more healthy. But beyond that, what he was asked to do, he did incredibly well for Missouri. And it really, a lot of people want to say, well, he's only a left wide receiver uh, or he's only a right wide receiver. If you hear conflicting messages there, it's because he was basically flip-flopping between junior and senior seasons um, where he was almost exclusively a left and almost almost exclusively a right between the final two seasons and his uh, college uh, career. But he did really well on a couple things. Obviously, the go route, that's, a, that's almost 30% of his game. Uh, and he obviously separates just fine, but he won on uh, underneath stuff as well. Maybe not as balanced as a Paris Campbell, maybe not as balanced as an Andy as Isabella on all his – uh, route diversity for sure but I mean he really won on obviously curl routes but it, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to like match him up with uh, DK Metcalf's numbers it wasn't like 75% on two routes it was more like 50 something percent on two routes but he does a lot of things well uh, as on on post routes and that those were really some of his best highlights from his college career uh, were post routes as well and then when, when you add in his athleticism and what he did at the combine, especially with a, I guess, apparently a sports hernia, he still ran a four three nine at six three two hundred. That's that's really impressive. So he answered a lot of physical questions that we possibly could have had at the combine. And uh, he's really, I mean, if you look at his game versus Jamon Moore, a lot of people think, well, why was he behind Jamon Moore? He's a different player, and I think he's faster. He's a better athlete than Jamon Moore. And Jamon Moore was a fourth round pick. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised when. Hall gets day two draft capital, and that's not going to surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, a, a guy that that averaged 22.4 yards per reception for his college career, 97th percentile. He got a 69th percent college dominator, okay? 69th percentile, rather, not percent. Um, Emmanuel Hall, just just a guy who's statistic. It, I mean, might not be – now, the situation's different, but if you want to look at the production – this this is the athleticism at the combine that maybe we would have wanted from Josh Jacobs with his his limited production, but Emmanuel Hall came out and he fortified the things in his profile, and so I think he was a clear winner 
um, in Indianapolis for sure. Um, basically 90, 90th percentile in everything he chose to compete in. One thing I want, I want to do as we, as we wrap this episode up, Travis, is let's, let's go back and, and review a couple of these names we just talked about. Justice Hill, Paris Campbell, Emmanuel Hall, Andy Isabella. These are all guys that are in our draft guide. And, and again, this is the average of the five rankers. They're coming in between the 15 and 19 spots in our overall top 50. And it, this, this seems to happen every year because the, the more you learn about a class, maybe the, the, the more of an interest level you have in the second round of a class, you become more confident that if I, if I stockpile seconds, here's the guys I'm going to throw them at. Um, and, and that's happening again for me. Now, I already had a lot of second round picks across my leagues for this year. But I'm, I'm even more excited about it. I'm probably going to try to buy some more because of the guys that we're talking about. We're talking about guys that have a lot of potential. They're going to be available at the end of round two. So um, I'm, I'm currently still exploring buying those mid-second round picks and, and higher. Is that something you – now, I know we talked about the class overview and, and maybe the, the elite there, the running backs is not there, but we felt like there was some depth at the wide receiver position. Um, are, are you a buyer – on round two picks at this juncture? I think yes. I mean, most most years I want to get my picks for the incoming class way ahead of time just because the market is a lot cheaper. Uh, that isn't the case right now with 2020 first and seconds. I think a lot of people are already going crazy over the value of 2020 first, 2020 seconds. But because of that, I think there's a discount when it comes to the 2019 seconds because people are just wanting to kind of trade ahead and, and uh, aren't as excited uh, when it comes to this class very much. And so when I see a bunch of deals you know, on Twitter, whether it's in our premium Slack, and, and people are just asking, well, this guy for a late second, and they're just kind of tossing players, you know, and they're tossing late seconds around like they're nothing, and just kind of like a throw-in. And so, yeah, I think the value is there to, to get a late second, to get a mid-second, even an early second. You're going to get a lot of players, especially in Superflex or tight end premium, where there's more of those players being pushed up the draft board. I'm all over getting mid to late seconds right now because I think all the players that you just mentioned are, are going to be available around that spot unless they get, you know, just some, some crazy draft capital. Yeah, and, and we didn't even talk about Hollywood Brown or Travion Williams, yeah. um, Greg Dortch, whose pro day helped him out. There's, there's more guys. I mean, the list goes on. I, I even like, you know, depending on landing spot, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, even in a single QB situation at that 2-3 turn. Yeah. Rodney Anderson. Oh, yeah. You know, there, there's there's Benny Snell's poor combine pushed him down into this range. So, yeah, so there's, there's plenty of reason to be excited about the late second. And that's, that's actionable stuff, guys. I mean, so Travis had a great point. You get those late seconds as throw-ins. Or you get people that are like, ah, I'm out on the 2019 class. Let's do some swaps and you give me your 2020 stuff. You know, I, I'm fine getting the 2019 seconds adding that to the portfolio and just throwing some of those darts, especially if you can get a couple of them and, and then, you know, oh, yeah. you, you increase your chances of, of getting that hit that becomes a, a fantasy producer for you. So, uh, you know, we, Hey, we, we hope you appreciated this episode, uh, cutting up, uh, volume two. Um, we're going to get back with the super flex and tight end premium episode because we just couldn't pack it in today. Uh, but we'll hit you with that next week. Yeah. Travis, why don't you take us home, man? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this rookie guide is just it's jam packed with all sorts of good stuff, and I really enjoyed putting it together. And really, just can't wait to share more 
in depth, even beyond what was in the guide really on the upcoming podcast, but definitely check it out. You can still pick up your copy today at dynastycommandcenter.com. Curtis, thanks again for joining me this week. I know it's a little bit early for, for me anyway. I, apparently you get up earlier than I do, but you can uh, find Curtis on Twitter at uh, CPatrickNFL. I'm Travis May at FF underscore Travis M. But uh, thanks again for joining us for another Dynasty Command Center podcast. And until next time, keep living that dynasty life. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event. Now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.